0: Good morning, everyone. Good to see you. Please turn in your Bibles to the book of Phoenix. Galatians, sorry. It could be to the book of Phoenix, to the church in Phoenix, or any other city, or any other place. It helps if we internalize what the Word of God says. A lot of times we will listen to a teaching and we listen to it almost like a college lecture in the sense that we just need to listen because we've got to pass. <laughs> you know, we, we've got we've to get through things. Just make sure. I thought I had everything off on my phone. You know, you get older, start forgetting things. No, it's all the way down. There's no volume. Probably something I don't have turned on right or turned off right. So many distractions these days, isn't there? I mean, you name it, it's out there. But anyway, this could be to any city, anywhere. Just happens to be to the church in Galatia. But there are so many distractions that it's easy for you and I to get caught up in things we shouldn't get caught up in. There's a fine balance between being informed and going overboard, right? And I, and I, I personally know that because it's so easy to get caught up in uh, the, uh, the news. You know, every day you're hearing something else. And uh, then you're hearing from one side this, you're hearing from another side that, you're hearing, and you don't know who to trust. And that's, I think that's part of the enemy's game, is to try to confuse. But God's not the author of confusion. God doesn't want to confuse us us in any way, shape, or form. Uh, He wants us to be very, very clear on His promises. And I love the Word of God because it teaches us so much. It teaches us who God is. It it tells us about His character. Um, It tells us about our character. It tells us wonderful things, But you know, what I like about it is sometimes it tells me things I don't want to hear. I mean, isn't that when you grow, is when someone tells you something that maybe you don't want to hear, or maybe they cause you to have to look at something a little bit different, or differently, and when you look at it differently, you go, okay, I may not agree, but I understand how you got there, I understand why you feel the way you feel a lot of that is gone now because it's there's such a polarization from one side to the other but I love the word because it does all of that we get to learn who the Lord is we get to understand his character we get to understand his grace and his mercy and his forgiveness but he doesn't let us slide either He doesn't just say, hey, it's all because of my grace and my mercy, so therefore you have no responsibility. That's not true. And the Bible reminds us that we do have a certain amount of human responsibility. He came as a human, right? He came in order to show us it could be done, that you could live a life of righteousness in him, not perfection, but righteousness in him, and to rest in that grace and that love and that mercy Of God. And and I don't think I've ever seen Christians as uh, nervous, as anxious as they are today because of all the stuff that's out there. So as we go into this, we see uh, the Apostle Paul telling the church in Galatia that they need to hang on to the things that are important. And get rid of the things that are not important. And there's so much out there today that's just not important. I mean, I'm sure you've gone into your social feeds and you read one thing, and then all of a sudden here's another one, a completely different story. It's the same story, but a completely different opinion as far as what is going on or what reality is or what reality is not. And those of you that are photographers, you know that you can change the entire narrative by the angle from which you take a picture. One side can depict one thing, another one can depict something else. So the only thing, guys, that you and I can count on is Jesus Christ. The only thing that we can count on is the same yesterday, today, and forever is the Word of God. But we should not live in fear. We we just don't need to live in fear. God's still on the throne, he's still God, he hasn't forgotten the plan, he knows everything that's going on, and you and I can trust in that, we can rest in that. Now the church in Galatia, they've gotten sidetracked, they've gotten sidetracked with with quite a few things, and they're beginning to listen to people they shouldn't be listening to. (laughs) Sound familiar? And as a result of that, they're starting to believe some of the things that they're hearing. And they're quickly going back to some of the old things that used to have them bound up. We can relate, right? Just because we're Christians doesn't mean that we're perfect. Just because we're Christians doesn't mean that there's not a a calling or a, a voice once in a while that wants you to go back to who you were. Back to the things that you used to think made you happy, you know they didn't now, but it's, that voice is still, is still there, so he's trying to give them an understanding that God loves them, he's trying to encourage them to not forget the things that they were taught, as you guys have heard me say, new and fresh ideals are great as long as they don't change this. But if it begins to change the Word of God, then we begin to be like the people that were building the Tower of Babel. We begin. We want, it, we want to be more important than God. We want to build a building so high that we can have all the power, we can have all the money, we can have all the stuff, and we need to, all, while, all throughout the Word of God is, we're encouraged to take a lowly spot, a humble spot. And put all of our faith and our trust in the Lord. So pray with me as we begin this church, this book to the church in Phoenix. Father, we love you. We ask for the anointing of your Holy Spirit upon you. We know it's on your word, so may it be upon our ears and upon our hearts. May you teach us what you would have us to learn today. For many of us, we may have read the book of Galatians many, many, many times. We might have gone to Bible studies over and with the book of Galatians. But Father, I pray that we would just be an an open heart, an open book to you this morning. For you to do within us whatever it is that you desire to do. We love you, Lord. We want to grow. We want to learn. We pray these things in Jesus' name. Amen. Galatians chapter 5, verse verse 1. Stand fast, therefore, in the liberty by which Christ has made us free. Do not be entangled again with the yoke of bondage. Now, in our studies of Galatians and many, many other uh, studies that we've done, we know that we have been set free in Jesus Christ. What does that mean? Does it mean we've been set free to do anything we want? Some think so. But no, we've not been free to, to just do anything that we wish to do. Now, we're being encouraged that we've been set free, so stand firm in that you ever stepped into a mud hole and got your foot stuck in a mud hole? If you're in the city, you probably haven't. But if you've ever got your foot stuck in a mud hole and you try to get it out, sometimes your shoe will stay in the mud hole or your boot or whatever else you have on. It's standing steadfast without you in it because it's in the mud and it's stuck. He's telling us to stand firm in that freedom. Don't go back to trying to live under the law, jumping through the hoops. It's interesting that that word entangled. some of the synonyms Synonyms can be this, a noose. (laughs) Isn't that ironic? A noose. You know what a noose is for, right? For strangling, for killing, choking the air out of people. A snare. You know what a snare is. You set a snare, at least the old-timers did, to trap food for the purpose of killing them and eating them. Another word is trap, okay? Spider web. You ever walk through an old place or something, the spider web hits your face, and it's just all over you, and you're doing everything you can to get, and that's their source of food. That's, that's their pot, if you will, where they, they catch the prey. That's their trap. Another one is the word net. doesn't say internet, but it could, do, it could say internet, right? We live in a world where all of our information, some of you might remember mom and dad or grandma and grandpa used to read this thing that was printed in black and white. And it was about yay big and about yay white. And, you know, it's called a newspaper. <clears throat> We don't need newspapers anymore. We got the news coming at us. But one thing that's missing from that time to this time is good journalism. Back then, you used to have journalists that would tell you the truth. They would do their best to give you the story unbiased. Not so much anymore. So, net. I think we've all been caught in that net, internet net, if you will, at one time or another. Now... I'm not saying that I've done this, but can't you just sit down and go through for an hour? Now, come on, be honest. Sometimes more than that. You know, you're going through reading this little story, this little story, this little story, this little story, this little reel, that little reel, that little reel, and it can take up more time than we spend with Jesus all week. Wow. So, I think we, we get the picture. I want to show you a picture here of a little guy that got caught in a net. A sea turtle being if somebody doesn't rescue him you know what his fate is right there may be some of you this morning caught in that net some of you might not realize it yet or maybe you're not fully wrapped like that turtle is you know you're just headed towards the net And there's some may be so bound up that you wonder if you can ever get free. Well, let me tell you this, you can't without the help of Jesus Christ, without the Lord. And I will use the old uh, example that I always use, and that's how many times have you been on a diet? How many New Year's resolutions have you made that didn't last until February? It's because we're human and we make a lot of mistakes. And even those with a good heart are still human. And drawn to those kinds of things that will ensnare us. So we know what he's saying. He's saying, stand therefore in the liberty, the freedom that God has given to you and paid the price for to make us free. We're free. And don't be entangled again with that yoke of bondage, that thing that you can't put down, that thing that you have to go back to, that thing. And it could just be a personality trait. It could just be Anger, it could just be a foul mood that just is there all of the time. It could be almost anything. So I think we got the first part of that. And the word bondage, we know what that is, right? That's slavery. Now, I want you to think about something. When we hear the word slavery, what do we think about? Horrible, horrible things done. From human beings to human beings. All for the sake of money and power. Money and power. It's losing your freedom. When you and I can no longer choose, but we have to respond to this or that, that's slavery. Now I want you to think about this for a moment. We are all slaves. Would you work for nothing? Would you get up every morning and go to work if they said, hey, yeah, uh, it's nice of you to show up. We're not going to pay you anymore. But we really appreciate your work. We're born... As soon as we get out of school or maybe sometimes even in school we start working for money. We are indentured servants. Now some of that can be good and some of it can be horrible. But we're all slaves of one type or another. But he's talking about the slavery of sin That separates us from God. You can be in a bad setting. We can get up and go to work and do do it all with good motives. And we can still have joy in our heart because of Jesus. But when sin comes in, the joy is gone. It starts eating us at the core. And that's never what Jesus intended. I don't know if you ever, when you drive by and you see someone on the streets right? And they're mumbling to themselves and they, we, Pastor Dan and I a lot of times when we come in we'll go down to the, to the uh, QT down the street and get a, a, a pop or something to eat in the morning and it's often people mumbling to themselves, talking to themselves don't even really even know where they're at about the only thing they can remember is do you have any money? Right? They remember that. But have you ever thought about the fact that those were just normal people one time they were, they were mom's little girl or, or dad's little girl or little boy and they loved him dearly and they got entangled they picked up something they shouldn't have picked up and now they have lost their freedom so I'm not saying that you should empty your pockets every time you see someone that's homeless, but what I am saying is having some sympathy, yeah. having, having some understanding, having some love to know that somewhere along the line they made a bad turn and they got entangled. And they're probably not going to ever get untangled unless somebody tells them where the scissors are <laughs> and how to break free. Never God's intentions. Matthew eleven twenty nine and 30 says this. Take my yoke upon you and learn from me. For I am what? Loud and rambunctious and obnoxious? Now what does he say? For I am gentle. And I'm lowly in heart. Humble. And you will find what? Rest. Have your... Have you ever been so dead dog tired that you could barely even keep your eyes open? Maybe you sit down to watch a TV show and like three minutes later, you're like dead dog tired, rest. I once in a while think about those times when I was a kid. You'd fall asleep on the couch or you'd go to bed at night and your mom comes in and wakes you up. Hey, school time. And you're going, I just went to sleep. Anybody ever had that experience? Come on, it's got to be more than water. Yeah, okay. What? That's rest. <laughs> that is peaceful rest. He says, take my yoke upon you and learn from me, for I am gentle and lowly in heart, and you will find rest for your souls. Here it is. For my yoke is what? Easy. My yoke is easy and my burden is... I love it. But the Judaizers are laying the law down, if you will, on these new Christians. And Paul was reminding them, don't have any part of it. Don't go back to the legalism because it'll kill you. Verses 2 through 6, he says, Indeed, I, Paul, say to you that if you become circumcised, that was the one they were caught up on. And you can understand, if you understand the Jewish history, you can understand the covenants and the things that were, that were put in place and getting rid of those things. Some of you were raised in a church where you had certain hoops you needed to jump through. And you found that you couldn't jump through them. And you might have very likely just quit going to church at all because you thought that's the way God was. But that's not the way God is. That's not the way God is. So the Jews were following Paul around because Paul would go in and say, God loves you. And you can accept him as your Lord and Savior and your sins will be forgiven. And then they were coming along and saying, well, (laughs) except you're not really saved unless you go through the rite of circumcision. But that's not any different today than going up to somebody and telling them, well, you're not really filled with the Holy Spirit unless you speak in tongues. I'm not putting down having a spiritual language. Not at all. Don't get me wrong on that. But we've been given very clear and distinct guidelines for the usage of that and when it's supposed to be used. But they were just putting another hoop up. And Paul said, don't go back to it. I, Paul, say to you that if you become circumcised, Christ will profit you nothing. Does that mean God will turn his back on you? No. But what's the point? If you believe in Jesus and he saved you without jumping through hoops and then you go jump through the hoops, what benefit was it? It was of no benefit. He says, and I testify again to every man who becomes circumcised that he is a debtor to keep the whole law. He's saying, if you want to join in on the thing that didn't work for thousands of years, go ahead. But if you do now, you're going to have to obey all of the laws. Because we've been told in scriptures, if you break one of them, you're guilty of all of them. So he's saying, why would you trade in God's grace and God's mercy to go back to the law because you know you can't do them all? So Christ and his work at the church will profit you none. Verse 4, you have become estranged from Christ. In other words, you're not just trusting Jesus for everything. You think you've got to do something or it won't stick. You who attempt to be justified by the law, you have fallen from grace. Now again, this is not saying that God doesn't still love you. He's just saying you're no longer trusting in grace. You're trusting in the hoops, in the things to get you there. You talk to people, well, we talk to people a lot who, you talk to them, do you you know if you're going to heaven or not? You you ask them, are you a Christian? Yeah, I'm a a Christian. Well, do you know whether or not if you were to die you go to heaven? They say, I hope so. What? What? What what worth is that? What good is that? (laughs) There's no value in that if I have to hope I'm going to heaven. What am I hoping for? That I've been good enough? That's out. hoping that I've been righteous enough that I've done more good than I've done bad? Well, that's still up in the air, maybe. How about the thief on the cross who didn't have much time? You know where he would have went, right, if it was based on works. Verse 5, for we through the Spirit eagerly wait for the hope of righteousness by faith. In other words, our faith is in Jesus Christ. Our hope is in Jesus Christ. And his work on the cross, his finished work on the cross. Verse 6, for in Christ Jesus, neither circumcision nor uncircumcision avails anything. Why? He's saying there's no value in it based on a condition. What's that condition? If they ran out and got circumcised because they thought that's the only thing that would get them to heaven, they've missed the point, haven't they? They've missed Jesus. They've missed his entire reason for going to the cross and dying for our sins. They've missed Jesus Christ. Isn't it the same for us, even though we love Jesus? If we just jump through hoops and do what we do because we have to do it, isn't that a bit vacuous? Isn't that a bit, just, it, there's no meaning to that? If a husband and wife don't treat each other with kindness and love, that's pretty empty, isn't it? That's a pretty empty setting and situation. They've lost the meaning of why they got married in the first place. If a child only cleans their room when they're threatened, they've missed the point, haven't they? Paul's trying to say you can't have it both ways. You can't be a born-again Christian who says, I put all my faith and trust in Jesus Christ and then feel like you got to jump through a bunch of hoops to make God happy. Jesus has already done all the work. You and I can't do anything anything more to make him love us more. We can't. We just just can't do it. He loves us. Now we're going to get to some human responsibility here in a little while too. I want you to know and understand that. But he says, if we, if we do that, we've lost the whole thing. And you can either live by the law and jump through the hoops if you want to. It's, a, it's your choice. If you want to live by the letter of the law, you can do that. That's what he's saying. But you're going to have to obey all the laws, which the odds of missing one are going to be really, really high. Or you can live by faith in Jesus Christ. But you can't do the two of them. One kind of negates the other. And of course, if that's the path they took, they had fallen from grace. They chose to fall from grace. That wasn't God's idea. Here's the thing. God's got this, for lack of a better term, this spiritual umbrella. You know what a umbrella is for, right? When it rains, you get under it. God's got this spiritual umbrella called grace and mercy. And if you and I stay under that umbrella, it's perfectly safe. Amen. We step outside of that umbrella, now we're messing in a territory that there's danger out there. You guys have heard, and I've used this illustration before about the school children, how they would all play. They did. It was an experiment, right? And they they all would play all the way to the fence and they would even climb on the fence as they played. You've you've gone by an elementary school, I'm sure, and seen the kids out there playing. They're all over the place, even all the way up to the fence. Well, they took the fence down. Guess what the kids did? They huddled. They all moved to the center of the field and didn't get close to the fence because the fence represented security to them. It represented a boundary. They knew they were safe inside the fence. This is the part of God's word, is he sets a few fences for us. Not because we're trapped inside, but because we're secure inside. Because we're loved inside. That's why he says, be careful about going outside of that fence. 7 through 9, you ran well. He's telling them, you ran well. Who hindered you from obeying the truth? This persuasion does not come from him who calls you. A little leaven leavens the whole lump. This illustration is from like an Olympic marathon. You guys probably don't know this, but we have an Olympic competitor in our church. Come on, Linda, stand up. I want people to know, I want people to know who you are. Humble, sweet, gentle, kind, and loves Jesus with all of her heart. I love that. But the picture is that you ran really well. You were you were heading down the track. You were doing really well. And someone cut into your lane. Someone cut into your lane. And when they cut into your lane, you stumbled. That's kind of what he's saying. What happened to you? Who cut you off? Now there's going to be a little play on words here. In the scriptures, leaven has always been... A symbi- it's been symbolic for sin. A little leaven will mess up the whole loaf. loaf. And you guys know that that's what happens with bread. You put a little yeast in there, bread rises. A little bit of that, a small amount of that will cause the entire batch to swell up and overflow. And that's kind of what he's saying with us. We think, oh, I can handle it. It's just a little thing. No, you can't. No, you can't. It's going to bite you and you're going to swell up. And it doesn't take much to mess up the whole loaf. And he's saying that if you let a little legalism, can't even talk this morning, let a little legalism into your life, it will slowly begin to take over. How do you know when you've let legalism into your life? Well, at its worst state, you become very critical of everybody else. You become critical of the church. You become critical of every person or everything that's going on. Instead of showing love and mercy and grace and seeing people as people, yes, some of them trapped. Some of them in bondage, but still God's people. And seeing that as an opportunity to be able to share Jesus with them, and maybe they get set free from that bondage. You begin to see them as a a burden. That's how you know that we've gone back to legalism. Because now we're going, well, I'm jumping through the hoops. You should have to jump through the hoops too. That's legalism. Look at verses 10 through 12. He says, I have confidence in you, in the Lord. His confidence was in them, but in the Lord, that the Lord could do a work inside of them. You see, that's where you and I have to put our confidence. And that's not in ourselves, and that's not in other people. We have to put it in the Lord. Because the Lord can put that and make us into something else, something other than what sin does. He said, I have confidence in you, in the Lord, that you have no other mind, but he who troubles you shall bear his judgment, whoever he is. And I, brethren, if I still preach circumcision, why do I still suffer persecution? Because people were saying, well, Paul was circumcised. He even tells us he was. So they're coming around saying, well, Paul's still preaching it. And Paul's going, no, I'm not. If I was, why would they be following me around? Why would I be being persecuted if I was doing what they wanted me to do? He says, then the offense of the cross has ceased. Verse 12, I could wish that those who trouble you would even cut themselves off. Now, I'm I'm not going to get very descriptive here because I'm just not. But it's a play on words and having to do with circumcision. Having to do with circumcision. But I will give you this out of Philippians chapter 1, verse 6. He who has begun a good work in you will what? Complete it. He will complete it until the day of Jesus Christ. You know what that means? You're never going to perfect it. You will be in a growth pattern from the day you give your life to Jesus Christ until he takes us home. He will complete it in us. And not based on the hoops that you and I jump through, but based on what Jesus did at the cross, knowing we couldn't do it. But giving his life for us. And he stands saying, Dad, that one's mine. Dad, that one's mine. Dad, that one's mine. When Satan goes to accuse us, he says, Dad, that one's mine. I went to the cross for that one. Man, oh man, oh man, that's awesome. 1 Peter 5, 8 says, Be sober, be vigilant, because your adversary, your enemy, the devil, walks about like a roaring lion, seeking whom he may devour. Many of us have gone to sleep at our post Any of you that were in the military or you're a security guard or whatever, you have a post. It's what you're supposed to be doing. You're looking out for everybody else to protect everybody else if an enemy comes in. Some people have gone to sleep. We don't realize. We we just... I I don't know if it's because we just push so many other things on our mind or or what it might be but we've kind of lost sight of the fact that the enemy wants to destroy you. You see some of these folks on the street he's done pretty good job on their lives. And don't think you couldn't end up there or I couldn't end up there. We could. He doesn't want anything good for you. He's a liar, he's the father of lies. He's the destroyer of everything. He doesn't want you to succeed in Jesus Christ. He doesn't want you to be happy in your walk with Jesus Christ. He doesn't want you to have anything to do with Jesus Christ at all. He is a destroyer. Your adversary, the devil, walks about like a lion seeking whom he may devour. Guys, we need to be watchful. We need to be wide awake and we need to be alert. There needs to be an alarm system in your heart that tells you when something is wrong. Danger, Will Robinson, danger. That tells you, hey, you're standing too close to this. You're standing too close to this friend. You're allowing these thoughts to come in. You're watching this. You're doing this. You're Those buzzers will go off and that's when you and I have to turn around and go the other direction whereas we used to just envelop it into our lives and there comes a time when we have to say you know what I want to, I want to serve the Lord look at Galatians 5 13 through 15 it says for you brethren you've been called to liberty to freedom only That's like a however. Do not use liberty as an opportunity for the flesh. Do you know that you're free to sin? You are. Jesus has set you free. You're free to to sin if you want. Not a wise choice. But we're free. He's saying don't use that liberty as an opportunity for the flesh. But through love, serve one another. Wow. Here goes that servant thing again. Yeah, that's going to be the theme throughout the Word of God. Is instead of being a commander, your servant. That's what was different about Jesus. You realize he could have chosen any way to express himself. He could have done anything he wanted to do to get mankind's attention. But what does he do? He slides into all time and eternity as a person. Don't use your liberty for an opportunity of the flesh. For through love serve one another. 14. For all the law is fulfilled in one word. Even in this, you shall hate your neighbors and love yourself. I got that wrong, didn't I? You shall love your neighbor as yourself. You might find this as a surprise, but there's hardly anything that you wouldn't do for you. Right? We take care, we try, we get ourselves things. Even things we don't need. We take care of ourselves. Not so much physically. But we take care of ourselves materially. And he's saying, have that same kind of heart for other people. Care about other people. You, know, he, you notice he says here, as yourself. He, said, he doesn't say, not yourself. But show a little kindness to other people. Fifteen, he says, but if you bite and devour one another, that's, that's gossip. That's backbiting. That's hurting people if you bite and devour other people, beware at least you be consumed by one another. Guys, that's what's happening today. You got, and I hate the terms, you got the left, the right, the the, the republic, the, they're putting labels on everything and trying to turn them around to hate each other. Don't we all bleed the same? Don't we live in the same country? Don't we want what's best for the people? This other stuff, we're swallowing it hook, line, and sinker. And you know what? We can change it. We don't have to accept that. We don't have to be something different because of the color of a person's skin. Or because they live in a place where it's, it's tough. They're having a tough time with life. And you live on the hill. We, we don't have to have those things that's that's us we don't that's that's going back again to the old things sin is sin evil is evil you got dumb stupid people in every race on the planet and we need to not be those <laughs> 1 Corinthians 8, 9 says, But beware, at least somehow this liberty of yours becomes a stumbling block to those who are weak. What? That my liberty becomes a stumbling block to those who are weak. In other words, here's the thing. If my liberty causes another person to stumble, I should reserve that liberty. Kindness. Kindness what do I mean by that? Scripture does not say you can't drink or have a beer. It says to be, don't be drunk. But here's the thing. If I know that a friend or someone else was raised in an alcoholic family and they were hurt deeply by all of that, should I just go ahead and pop the cap on one and say, well, that's their problem? Love doesn't do that. Love doesn't do that. So that's what he's trying to say here. He's just trying to say, be aware that your liberty doesn't become a stumbling block for somebody else. And you might say, well, that means I have to live my life according to somebody else's standard. Yes, (laughs) but not my standard, By this standard. In James 4, 1 through 5, it says, Where do wars and fights come from among you? Do they not come from your desire for pleasure, that war against your body, your members? You lust and you do not have... You murder and covet and cannot obtain. You fight and you war. If that doesn't describe somebody just pulling the gun, and when somebody, uh, uh, somebody's pulled up to a stop sign, they pull a the gun, threaten their life, make them get out of the car and steal their car. Or they rob them or they beat them up. It's like you want something you didn't work for. You want something that somebody else worked for, you want somebody that worked something that somebody else has, because they've earned it, and you want it for nothing. Why else would you do that? We see it, and we see it all around us. Then it says, you lust and you don't have, you murder and you covet, and you cannot obtain, you fight and you war. yet you do not have because of what? You do not Because you do not ask. When was the last time you went to the Father and asked Him to change your heart? When was the last time you went to the Lord and said, Lord, change my mind, change my thinking, change my selfishness? You know, our prayers are usually directed a different way. God, I pray you set fire to that person. But Lord, I pray that you give me a new car and I pray you give me a house. I pray you give me a spouse and I pray that you give me this. When was the last time we said, look, I'm not perfect either, Lord. I need to change. I don't want to be this way. I don't want to be this individual. Change me. I guarantee you, if you draw close to the Lord, he's going to put you in that spot once in a while. That's just the way He works. You ask because, I mean, you don't have because you don't ask. If your kids are doing well, and they're decent kids, and they come to you and ask you for something reasonable, won't you do just about anything you can do to make that fulfilled, to fulfill that? Of course you will a husband or a wife who truly loves their spouse, they'll find a way. If their spouse needs something, and sometimes it's not even a need, they just want something, they'll figure out a way to be able to do it. Why don't we do that with our father? Why don't we go to him and ask him for the right things, for the good things? Because he loves to pour them on his kids. He is that good, good Father. He said, you ask and you do not receive because you ask amiss means you miss, you miss it. <laughs> you, you miss asking for the right things and here it is that you may spend it on your pleasures. You adulterers and adulteresses. That's pretty harsh. You know why? Because we've committed spiritual adultery. We don't we're worshiping another God. Do you not know that friendship with the world is enmity with God, separation from God, and you know, having that division between us and God? Now let's I I want to pose something to you. I want you to think about your your three closest friends or four closest friends, right? Are they Christians? Are they born again? Are they in the world? Do they drink, smoke, dope, run around, chew? <laughs> you can name, I don't know, you, I'm just picking a few of them there. You just throw them in, right? Are those the people you're most comfortable with? And do you think that if you call them up tomorrow and say, hey, I'm really hurting, I, can you lend me $1,000? Do you think they'd do it? You might, you might have one. But I could tell you right now, I know of at least a half a dozen people right now, that if that happened to me, I could call them up and say, I'm hurting and I need $1,000 and they would find a way to get it to me. That's the friendships you have in Jesus. We ask amiss. So who's your friendships with? Are your friendships with the world or Are your friendships in Jesus Christ? He says, therefore, whoever wants to be a friend of the world makes himself an enemy of God. Can't serve two masters, right? You'll either love one, hate the other. Or do you think that the Spirit says in vain, the Spirit who dwells in us yearns jealously, but he gives more grace. Therefore, he said, God resists the proud, but he gives grace to the humble. God resists the proud. Are you a proud individual? Have you felt like all of your life someone's been resisting you? That everything you do turns out bad, you never get ahead? Maybe the person that you're fighting against is Jesus Christ. And you're going, well, well, then I don't want him. Why would he do that? Because he loves you. Sometimes we have, to res- we have to resist our kids because we love them. We can't give them everything that they want. But when they ask for the right things, we're more than happy to try to find a way to get it for them. All right, I need to pick up the pace here. He says... Therefore, submit to God, resist the devil, and he will flee from you. Draw near to God, and he will draw near to you. Cleanse your hands, you sinners, and purify your hearts, you double minded. Lament and mourn and weep. Let your laughter be turned into mourning and your joy into gloom. You know what that means? Be repentant that you're in the position that you're in. Lay down the pride and say, This is my fault. I've, I've messed it up. This is nobody's fault but mine when we get into that spot we like to blame mom dad we may be 40 but we're still blaming mom and dad right mom dad the boss the school system the government whoever else I mean it's not our fault it's always somebody else's and that's what he's trying to say here he goes lament cry over it weep mourn And let your laughter that you think you're doing so good and you're so, such a, uh, all that and a slice of bread, I guess is what I'm trying to say. Let 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 it break you. That's a good thing. It's good to be broken by the Lord. He says, humble yourself in the sight of the Lord and he will do what? He'll lift you up. Man, oh man, oh man. That's a friend. That's a good father. Do not seek evil of one another, brethren. he who speaks speak evil. He who speaks evil of a brother and judges his brother speaks evil of the law and judges the law. But if you judge the law, are you not a doer of the law? You're not a doer of the law, but you're a judge. Therefore, there is one lawgiver who is able to save and to destroy. Who are you to judge another person? Come now, you say that tomorrow or to today or tomorrow, we will go to such and such a city, we'll spend a year there, we'll buy and sell and we'll make a profit. But in reality, you do not know what will happen tomorrow. Right? Any of you guys know what's going to happen tomorrow? For sure? No, you don't. So, why do we live our lives like we do? Every day is a gift. For what is your life? It's even a vapor that appears for a little time and then it vanishes away. Instead, you ought to say, Lord, if the Lord wills, we shall live and we shall do that. But now you boast in your own arrogance. All such boasting is evil. Therefore, to him who knows to do good and does not do it, to him it is what? It's sin. It's missing the mark. So, says for the lust of the flesh the flesh lusts against the spirit now I hope you understand what I'm saying here, what are you saying? the flesh, my flesh, your flesh you know our humanity it, it's, it lives against the spirit by nature it lives against the spirit they're, they're contrary to one another so that you do not do the things that you should do but if you're led by the spirit you're not under that law Here's the thing, you and I can't, we're led by the flesh unless something overcomes that. And that has to be the Spirit of God. Because by nature, we're sinners. We're just drawn to that. And the only thing that's going to set you free of that is the Holy Spirit of God. And then our part is to hold on to Him with all we got. Holding on to Him with all we got. You guys have heard me say many, many times, it's like the little boy and his dad crossing the street in a very, very busy intersection. That little boy, as long as he's holding his dad's hand, he doesn't care if there's a semi coming. He doesn't care if there's a bus coming. He doesn't care if there's a car coming. He doesn't know if the lights are red or the lights are green. Probably, if he's young enough, he doesn't know. All he knows is that he's safe as long as he's holding his dad's hand. That's what you and I need to get. I know that as long as I'm holding my dad's hand, I know that I am safe. Matthew 6, 24 says, No one can serve two masters. He will either hate one, he will either, excuse me, for either he will hate the one and love the other or he will be devoted to one and despise the other. You cannot serve God in this world. You just can't do it. All right. I got a little bit more to cover and then I'm done. All right. But look at Galatians 5.22 through 26. Yeah, I got I to I have to back up. I'm sorry. I can't skip 21. Uh, 19 and 21. But here's the works of the flesh. Okay. Here's how we know we're, we're in the flesh and that we're in bondage. Which are adultery, fornication, uncleanness, lewdness, idolatry, Sorcery, hatred, contentions, jealousies, outbursts of anger or wrath, selfish ambitions, dissensions, heresies, evil, uh, envy, murders, drunkenness, revelries and the like of which I tell you beforehand just as I told you in times past that those who practice such things will not inherit the kingdom of God. The key word there is practice. Have you ever tried to learn piano? How many of you had lessons? You had to practice, 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 practice. Many people start guitar and they quit because you have to practice. You have to practice. You have to get these things called calluses on your fingers. And it's it's work. It's practice. You put in the time. You practice and practice. Everyone sins. That's not what he's saying here. He says those who practice such things. Grace has got us covered on the things that we do out of stupidity or by accident. But when you and I practice it, there's an evil intent in it. We do it because we like it and we keep going back to it. And he's saying in that case, do you really love Jesus? Have you really given him all of your heart? He decides who's saved And who's not saved? And I'm glad that lies in his hands. All right, at the fruit of the Spirit, verse 22. Here they are. Here they are. Is what? Love? Joy? Peace. Long suffering. Kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control. Against such there is no law. And those who are Christ, they have crucified the flesh with its passions and desires. If we live in the Spirit, let us also walk in the Spirit. Let us not become conceited, provoking one another and envying one another. Isn't it interesting that Paul... What's the first one that Paul lists here? Go back and read it. Love. I find that interesting. Guys, I know that some of you have been hurt. Some of you have been hurt at an early age. But you've got to let go of the hate. Because if you don't, you're a victim forever. That doesn't mean someone is innocent. It just means you've taken and decided not to be judge and jury and you've put that in God's hands. And you're going to let Him take care of it. And now you can go to sleep at night. You can be free to have joy in your life and have peace in your life instead of being a victim all of your life or the rest of your life. You can't get any fruit out of a dead tree. and people who are dead in their heart, there's no fruit.